ESPN Radio. Shotgun. The heat's coming again. Goes near sideline. Caught at the one. Touchdown, Falcons. This just in. The Falcons have traded Matt Ryan to the Colts. Matt Ryan was open to a change. Matt Ryan still has a live arm indoors. Can still deliver the football on target down the field. And now you can protect him and you have a running game. Man, this is a win-win. I think Matt Ryan is an upgrade over Carson Wentz. It's not 28-year-old Matt Ryan. I think they just took the best option they had. ESPN Radio. Oh, yeah. We're going up on a Tuesday. It's Amber Wilson and Chris Candy on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Hit us up on Twitter at AmberW790, at ChrisCandy99. And as always, tap in on the Candy call in line, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And yesterday, Amber, we got the news when we were coming on air that one Matt Ryan was traded to the Indianapolis Colts by the Atlanta Falcons, and going back to the Falcons was a third-round pick. Now, we know that Baker Mayfield had mentioned the Indianapolis Colts as one of his preferred destinations in the request that he traded from the Cleveland Browns. Well, 24 hours later, another potential landing spot for Baker Mayfield has already come out and said that they're out. According to Fox Charlotte's Will Kunkel, the Carolina Panthers are still not interested in Baker Mayfield. So it seems like by the day, we're running out of chairs for Baker Mayfield to sit in, and it's about the music potentially stopping with Baker Mayfield not having an opportunity to be handed a starting quarterback job in the 2022 NFL offseason. Which is interesting because we also got a report today that the Browns won a first-round pick in exchange for Baker Mayfield. And I would say that if I'm the Seattle Seahawks and I'm at all interested in Baker Mayfield, I'm what, Chris? Offering like a fourth-rounder at this point? Because (laughs) there ain't no market for Baker Mayfield. And I, for one, am shocked by this. I I do think what Mina Kimes said yesterday when she was on with us, that it's a bit of a consequence of musical chairs where Baker's kind of the odd man out right now because of the timing of everything. The timing has not helped. Presumably there would have been a larger market for Baker Mayfield had this been two weeks ago. But where we stand, a lot of teams have filled that quarterback role with maybe quarterbacks, frankly, that have lesser potential than possibly Baker Mayfield. I know right now there's a lot of smoke around Baker Mayfield and people are down on Baker, but I am surprised that it's such a limited market. It's basically one team unless there's other teams out there like the Lions or somebody that we haven't considered that do have a quarterback in place. Yeah, we're talking about this guy being the number one overall pick in the 2018 draft and then four years later not necessarily having an opportunity to have a starting quarterback job going into the 2022 season. And this is being, what, two seasons removed from winning a playoff game and taking his team to the divisional round where they had the Kansas City Chiefs off on the ropes. I'm a little bit surprised that there's not more of a market for Baker Mayfield. But then when I look at the 2021 season in its totality, Amber, and not just what happened on the field, but what happened in the locker room and what happened with the relationship between Baker and the head coach and Baker in the front office, it's not surprising that the perception of Baker Mayfield and the potential bags that he would be bringing into your organization would be one of those things that scares a lot of teams off. Here's our very own Keyshawn Johnson this morning on what got in the way of the the Browns being able to move forward with Baker. Take a listen. 
Baker Mayfield had an opportunity to work with Kevin Stefanski and be in a good organization, but he handled it wrong because he allowed his feelings to get involved in a situation where clearly Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback than him, and he didn't seem to understand that, so he allowed his feelings to get involved, opposed to saying, okay, I get it, I understand it, why don't you guys just move on from me and trade me, not posting, not tweeting out, stay away from that, and just eat humble pie and move on. Mm -hmm. That's what he should have done. Now, Amber, I I hear what Keyshawn is saying, but we did get the reports from Adam Schefter and others that the Cleveland Browns were sniffing around Deshaun Watson going as far back as December of this past football season. So this is not something that happened overnight. This is not something that materialized in the last couple of weeks. This has been something that the Cleveland Browns have been planning for several months now, and it actually just came to fruition with their pursuits in landing Deshaun Watson late last week. But although they've been planning it, they plan this very poorly. Because if you really had any sense that you were in a position to land Deshaun Watson, and maybe they thought that was a long shot. But listen, if you're going to pony up $230 million guaranteed for a player, you know that you're probably going to get that player. And so you're probably having those conversations, I would imagine, with ownership and with your front office. We're going to go all in. So we're really going to be in the running, which means that we're probably moving on from Baker Mayfield. And if you know that and you have that knowledge from months on end then I think if you're Cleveland Chris you play this differently you don't allow this information to get out there that makes Baker look even worse the whole hey we need to bring in an adult type stuff and like I said the smoke around Baker right now is hard to ignore and you're trying to trade him in the midst of all that and that makes his trade value even more diminished than the market is making his trade value so frankly I don't think the Browns handled this very well because typically you want to lift a player up if you're trying to move them it's time for straight talk brought to you by straight talk wireless and here's Adam Schefter on exactly what Amber Wilson was just talking about in terms of how hard it's going to be to move Baker Mayfield they will not be able to get very much for him, not because he's not a good quarterback, but because he's under contract for a fully guaranteed $18.9 million. They have to get rid of him. There aren't many teams that need him. Everybody knows they have to move on from him, and so they're stuck. There was one team that they had a conversation with this weekend, and the Browns offered him, and uh, they asked for a certain pick, and, and the, the team said in return, how about you give me that pick for taking on his contract? Wow. (laughs) Can we imagine that we're living in that time and space where a team is saying, if you're willing to give me a high draft pick, then I'll take on Baker Mayfield and his $19 million salary for 2022. It's unbelievable to think that you might have a Brock Osweiler type of situation where you got to attach draft pick compensation along with the player in order to entice a team to take on that salary. But again, Amber, I come back to the situation with Baker. It's not just a matter of what he does on the field. Because I think he's shown enough for a team to take a chance on him, to take a flyer moving forward if they don't have their quarterback situation settled. But I think what creates the trepidation for a lot of teams being able to move forward with Baker is not knowing what kind of leader he's he's going to be and not knowing what kind of guy you're introducing to your locker room. I don't understand how we're at a place where $19 million is hard to move. And in today's quarterback market, for a number one pick, Four years ago, we're talking about having to attach picks to $19 million. It's not even 19 full million dollars. It's like 18.8 or something. I, I don't understand that at all from a market perspective. Well, we let me let me inject this, Amber. Su- Amber, let me inject this to your point. 
The top team, as far as salary cap space is concerned right now, is the New Orleans Saints. They have $26 million. So that's where we are in the NFL offseason calendar. Like a lot of teams went out and, and spent a lot of money the early part of free agency. We know that's the most expensive part. And so in order for a team to bring on that $19 million salary, and this is not a guy that you can restructure his contract because there are no remaining years on that fifth-year option. This is it just for 2022. That will require them to restructure a lot of other guys, a lot of other moving parts. So for a team logistically, there would be some hoops that they would have to jump through in order to bring in Baker Mayfield. The only question is, is it worth it to go through all of that if if you're not sure – that he's going to be your QB1 by the time week one rolls around. We know with a salary cap, Chris, if there's a will, there's a way. And I know <laughs> that there's not going to be a big will with Baker Mayfield, but maybe yeah. a tiny will. Like, again, he's not – you don't have to move that much around for $19 million, presumably. And you're talking about a quarterback who has had success. You did mention that he did take the Browns to a divisional round. He's had some success. He played through injury in a very down season that we're coming off of, but we all saw the injury. We all know that it was affecting him throughout the season. I am surprised, even at this point, even this late, I guess, in the offseason, so to speak, even though it's only March, at this point, I'm surprised that there is no market right now for Baker Mayfield. All right, let's go out to the candy call-in line and bring in Robert in Washington. Robert, you're on ESPN Radio. What up? Oh, so we, lo- we just lost Robert. Let's go to James in Charlotte. James, you're on ESPN Radio. What you got? Hey, Chris, what's going on? And Ember as well. How you doing? Um, We're doing pretty good. Real quick, yeah, so I wanted to say real quick, Chris, I know you had mentioned yesterday, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you mentioned maybe Baker, uh, maybe the Browns were a pick away from a, like a quarterback away from, you know, maybe becoming a Super Bowl contender just because of the rest of the roster, and maybe Baker was holding them back. But you have to also mention that, of course, the Browns in the way that they're, I would say the admins running around just kind of, you know, how the, the, the words that they're saying and the things that they're doing along with Baker, because it takes two to tango, is what's holding them back. And I feel like maybe that might be the issue for why they're also not going to the Super Bowl. And I don't feel like when they get Deshaun, they're going to do any better. I feel like there's going to be an issue with Deshaun at some point. Well, here's the thing I will say about Deshaun. There is no question about what kind of player he is. I mean, maybe there's some rust from not playing football in a year, but you're not talking about his skill set and his athleticism diminishing because he sat out last season. I I just don't see that happening. Deshaun, when we last saw him, was a top-five quarterback. He led the NFL in passing yards. So that's the kind of guy they're bringing into their organization, somebody that is by leaps and bounds a better player than Baker Mayfield. So when we say that we're not going to see – that type of impact in terms of the difference in quarterback play and how it affects the team and their chances of winning and competing in that division, I just don't see that happening. Now, we might have to wait a little longer because of the potential discipline that could be in front of Deshaun, but that's a different story. But overall, the Cleveland Browns don't spend $230 million in guaranteed money if they don't think there's going to be a significant difference in how their new quarterback impacts their team winning as opposed to what we saw from Baker. I don't have many concerns about Deshaun Watson sitting out for a year as a dual threat quarterback. I mean, it's even possible that he looks better from that. Maybe not the first game back fine, but once he gets his legs back under him, I mean, he just got a lot of rest on his body. He's already a very young guy, and now he's going to be out there playing like he's even younger after getting rested for an entire season and not getting hit for the last year. So I I think you could even – 
project here that Deshaun Watson's going to be better than the last time we saw him. But to yep. your point, I don't know when we're going to see him. So I don't know fully when we're going to get ev- to evaluate this situation with the Browns. Yeah, and it's not about 2022 if you're the Cleveland Browns. It's about the next decade and being able to have the quarterback position figured out so you can take care of the rest of the roster. Now, this is already a really good team from a talent perspective. So uh, it's not much work, much of a heavy lift for Andrew Barry to continue to supplement throughout the course of this offseason with the pieces that they would need for the upcoming year. But in looking at the Baker Mayfield situation, Amber, it seems like there's only one team that would be interested in handing him a starting job. He's already come out on the record and say that he doesn't want to accept a backup role. He doesn't want to have to go into a situation and feel like he has to compete for the starter's job. So it feels like it's Seattle, and that's about it. That's the list for teams for landing spots for Baker Mayfield right now. So – in my opinion, if you're looking at this situation, if you're general manager Andrew Barry, I don't know that I necessarily am in a rush to deal Baker Mayfield, and I know how crazy that sounds. But the Cleveland Browns already have their QB1. They got their backup quarterback in Jacoby Brissett. Right now, Baker Mayfield is third on the depth chart, and it seems like there's only one team that would be vying for his services at this point in the offseason. And that what's team- the, what's the What's the harm if you're Cleveland – in waiting until there's more of a market for Baker Mayfield. I, I guess do- that would be my biggest question. You, we, we've seen it before. We've seen it in training camp. We've seen it early on in the regular season. Teams are always dealing with quarterback injuries, whether last year you want to point to the Washington football team or you want to point to the New Orleans Saints with Jameis. Two years ago, the Dallas Cowboys with Dak Prescott in the ankle. We, we saw those injuries in training camp and early on in the regular season. So my point is when you have a situation like that, there's blood in the water and the Cleveland Browns would be able to get more of a return on Baker if they chose to deal him at that point in the calendar, as opposed to right now, because it just doesn't seem like there are many landing spots for Baker out of style to the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, there are definitely not many. That's for sure. It seems like it's Seahawks or bust at this very moment anyways. And the Seahawks seem like they have enough room that they wouldn't have to move too much else around to be able to afford him. I just don't know if the Seahawks want him. And now, frankly, the Seahawks find themselves in the position where, hey, they might have their pick. Jimmy G, Baker. I mean, they don't necessarily favor Baker. We don't have any information there. And heck, maybe they like Drew Locke. I have no idea if they're in on Baker Mayfield. We don't have that information. I do think it's a problem for the Browns to hang on to Baker though because it's such an ugly situation at this point you can't just have him as the third quarterback in your room it's not going to go well that's a completely fractured relationship between him and the organization and although nobody cares typically about the third quarterback in the room we're talking about Baker Mayfield he is one of the biggest stars in the NFL for better or for worse he is a superstar not necessarily because of what he's done on the field but just how he rates in terms of popularity when you and I talk about Baker on this show the phone lines light up about Baker Baker Mayfield. For whatever reason, people very much care about Baker Mayfield, whether they love him or they hate him, whether they think he's good or they think he's terrible. And because of that, there's going to be so much attention on him at all times. The Browns need to get him out of their quarterback room. Well, just like you're talking about how polarizing Baker is with NFL fans, I'm sure it's like that when it comes to NFL locker rooms with players. There are guys that have varying opinions on Baker Mayfield, and if you're an organization that's considering bringing him in, is the juice worth the squeeze? Is the production that you're going to get with Baker Mayfield coming off of offseason soldier surgery, is it worth it to you to bring in a guy that, can, that has proven himself, Amber, to be a disruptive force in your locker room? 
I don't know that it is. I, I just don't necessarily see a team going down that road, even though they might not be sold on who their incumbent quarterback is. I just don't see a team willing to jeopardize the culture that their coach is trying to create by bringing in somebody as mercurial as Baker Mayfield, which begs the question, with the Carolina Panthers now out of the running for Baker Mayfield, what exactly should the Cleveland Browns do with Baker? I, I know we said that Seattle seems like it makes a lot of sense. Seattle did bring over Drew Locke in that trade for Russell Wilson that felt a lot more like a throw-in Amber than it did John Snyder and Pete Carroll being sold on Drew Locke being their guy. But if the best that Seattle is offering is a mid-round draft pick, is that something that the Cleveland Browns should consider? Should they just cut their losses and trade Baker for a fourth or fifth round pick? Or do you hang on to him to see if you can build up more of a market for him throughout the NFL offseason based on what happens later? I think the Browns have shot themselves in the foot here because mm. apparently they won a first rounder for Baker Mayfield. Which Let that me tell you what's not going to happen. A that first rounder happening. for Baker Mayfield. And Chris, that ain't happening today. That ain't happening tomorrow. That ain't happening during training camp. And that's not happening during the season when quarterbacks go down either. Let's be real mm. about that. So can they get a third rounder for Baker? Absolutely. Could they even maybe out of desperation get a second rounder for somebody? I don't know about that. But yes, they could get higher than a fourth or fifth rounder for Bacon Mayfield. And so if they do hang on to him, I do agree with you that maybe the price in terms of trade assets would be better. But I just think that they've shot themselves in the foot where they can't possibly be in a situation where they're waiting into training camp or waiting into the season to try to move Baker Mayfield. Because again, just the attention on Baker and the fractured relationship there and I think bringing in Deshaun Watson goodness knows Deshaun Watson already brings enough attention and a lot of it negative the second you add that man to your team right and now you're going to have Baker Mayfield as well and it's very different types of publicity publicity obviously but there is a negativity for very different reasons around both of those players and I just think if you're the Browns you just don't need any more of that in your life right now like you're already going to have your hands full with the Deshaun Watson coverage which justifiably so and I don't think you necessarily need a another quarterback who's controversial because of his play on the field and the way that he's behaved in a locker room also on your roster. That's Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Let's go to the candy call-in line and bring on Mike in Maryland. Mike, you're on ESPN Radio. What up? What up? So I'm going to say I'm gonna say with the Baker Mayfield thing, right, I'm just, I'm just throwing this out here. Why not? Why not the Giants? Like, I'm pretty sure, like, Tyrod Taylor, I'm pretty sure Baker better than Tyrod. I'm pretty sure that they could get us, they could squeeze in a way to get him to the Giants. I mean, the Giants won't be losing much. I mean, they'll be getting the person that they could definitely start out. And then Tyrod can got they start out while uh, Deshaun Watson is dealing with his issues. I'm pretty sure he's going to be out for six weeks. So, at least you'll have Tyrod Taylor in there and putting for, uh, in putting while, well, I wasn't thought it was over. And Tyrod is pretty better than, to me, Tyrod Taylor is better than Jacoby Brissett. So, so, Mike, you're saying that you want Baker Mayfield in New York City with the New York media? That That's going to work and, out? And, Not to and, mention and, that the, the, the Forget about the Giants already having Daniel Jones and Tyrod mm-hmm. Taylor. You want Baker Mayfield in this market? With how he's been acting over the course of the last year, let me let me tell you what's not going to play well with Giants fans: Baker Mayfield's attitude. And trust me on this one, because I played for the organization, I know it well. They don't have any interest in bringing Baker Mayfield into that kind of culture 
I know it's not a culture to speak of because they're the most losing team in the NFL since 2017, but that's just not how the Giants operate. That's not how they do business. They're not bringing in somebody like Baker Mayfield, and I think you have a lot of other teams out there, Amber, that are expressing those same sentiments, and that's a big part of the problem in terms of the options that Cleveland has to move Baker Mayfield to. So that's where we are with Baker Mayfield, but coming up next – we got to talk about another high-profile quarterback that could potentially be on the move this offseason and what should their current team be looking to do. Also, some news about what they're being offered in the marketplace as far as trade compensation. We'll get to that in a little bit. You're listening to Amber Wilson and Chris Canney, ESPN Radio. But first, a word from Indeed. Want to streamline your hiring in the springtime? then you need Indeed, the powerful hiring platform that allows you to attract, screen, and interview candidates all from one place. Just sponsor a post and you'll instantly receive a list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. Invite them to apply and you can even schedule and conduct interviews all from your employer dashboard. See why Indeed delivers four times more hires than any other job site according to Talent Nest. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. So what are you going to give up for Jimmy Garoppolo? Like, you're not getting Jimmy Garoppolo for a third-round draft. Pick. Really doesn't make sense in terms of Jimmy's contract for the Niners to keep him on the roster. ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Chris Candy on ESPN Radio and E+. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. With the Carolina Panthers now out of the running for Baker Mayfield, what should the Browns do with their embroiled quarterback? For more on that, we bring on ESPN NFL analyst Marcus Spears. And, Marcus, good to talk to you. We appreciate a few minutes of your time. Swaggoo, I got to ask you, with the Carolina Panthers reportedly being out on Baker Mayfield, what's the likely landing spot for Baker now that it seems like there's really only one team that's out there that's in need of a quarterback? I'm going to answer you just like I answered earlier today on SportsCenter. I do not know. Um, March 22nd, we sitting here and trying to figure out if a number one overall pick who who has had opportunities to play, who's been to the playoffs, um, has a place on a team as a starter to lead and win games. And I think that's the big indictment, right? Like to answer that question, um, it's really not only difficult, but you would be kind of you would be in a position where you you are not sure about how they view Baker Mayfield, and I think that's the biggest thing, man. Like we've had a quarterback cycle, we have a draft that we haven't talked about being quarterback heavy. Um, Cleveland obviously is looking to move on from Baker Mayfield, and no suitors um, have come to the table, and then. The other question is, what is his value if you do trade for him? So it's it's a lot tied into that. But the, the, ultimately, what it what it comes back to is, I don't think a franchise in the NFL looks at Baker Mayfield and says he's our franchise guy. So let's take a year flyer on him just so he can prove that and move forward. That's not the sentiment. The sentiment from Carolina was that last year when they got Sam Darnold. Um, we've seen some of these quarterback situations kind of play out where guys didn't really get locked in on their first destination. Mitchell Trubisky left. 
went to went and went to Buffalo and was behind Dayball and Josh Allen, and now he's the projected starter in Pittsburgh. And see, honestly, and Amber, like they got guys that ain't played getting signed before Baker Mayfield and having more trade value. So he's in a he's in a very uh, precarious situation, man. And for me to say what team, I legit don't know because no team has shown enough interest to make us believe that Baker Mayfield is their option. Yeah, it's really wild. As you said, only four years removed from him being a number one pick. But Marcus, Chris and I were debating earlier. We disagree on this. So maybe you can be the mediator here where Chris thinks that you hang on to Baker then. If you have to hang on to him until training camp or even into the season until another quarterback gets injured. And I say you can't do that. You can't have Baker in that quarterback room with everything that already surrounds that quarterback room. Where do you stand on the Browns then just hanging on to Baker for now? Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm with you, Amber. <laughs> like I I that that would be a very toxic environment, um, and that's what Cleveland is trying to get away from. I think that's the that's the point. Like the the Baker thing has been up and down, sort of a roller coaster. There's been mixed messaging coming out, and now clearly they wanted to upgrade the position. They thought that he was not the guy to take them to where they needed to go. And a lot of analysts have made the point that this team was 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 supposedly well built for a quarterback to be insulated, um, playing for them and not having to carry the entire thing. But just, I mean, the construct of not only the the quarterback room but the locker room. Um, and then you 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 know you hear stuff about Baker's attitude, his leadership, um, and all of that. So I, I just couldn't see that being a possibility on a team that just went and got Deshaun Watson with all of that he has going on off the field. And now you may create another media storm with having him and Baker in the same quarterback room. I just, I think that's bad for, for Cleveland C2. I don't, I don't know, bro. I, don't, I ain't with you on that one. I'm with Amber. All right. Talking with ESPN NFL analyst Marcus Spears on ESPN radio and staying with the Cleveland Browns, Marcus, the Deshaun Watson situation Uh, We were having a discussion in yesterday's show about the optics of it and what it says about the Cleveland Browns organization and what it says about the NFL with Deshaun Watson essentially getting a pay bump and going from $39 million a year to $46 million a year on a brand new contract, five years fully guaranteed. Does the contract make the optics of the situation worse for the Cleveland Browns and the NFL when dealing with the baggage that Deshaun Watson is bringing to the table? Chris, I love when we get into these discussions. And, and, and Amber, I don't know if you know me well, but Chris knows what my response is about to be. Um, when those criminal charges wasn't going to be pursued, there were teams that went crazy trying to buy for Deshaun Watson services. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to just take you through a little timeline. Great quarterback play means fans in the, seat, in the seats. Great quarterback play means you win games and potentially win championships, and it all revolves back to that mighty dollar. Um, And that's the integrity and the investigation that Cleveland did, just like so many other franchises and organizations have done in the past. What we're seeing from the Cleveland Browns is not new. It's not an anomaly. Sad, potentially, because this still has a ways to go before it's resolved, but with the optics, 
and, and thinking that they're going to have some sort of, well, thinking that all 32 franchises are going to have some sort of moral high ground um, and, and place that before winning and having a, having a franchise quarterback, we, we got, we, I think we just, we, we, we like to operate in that naiveness because it's, it, it feels good. And we think that, you know, there's a moral high ground there that, that, teams or organizations won't cross those lines, but it's 32 billionaires, bro. It all revolves around the money. And Deshaun Watson, for all of the things that he has going on off the field, if Cleveland wins games, y'all know that stadium is going to be packed and they're going to have a chance to get in the playoffs and potentially go to the Super Bowl. And that's, what's Cle- that's what the Cleveland Browns organization concern is. It ain't the optics or the PR nightmare. They already knew that was coming. All right, Swagoo. Well, we appreciate a few moments of your time, man. I'll get with you soon, bro. You know it, brother. All right, Amber. You have a good one. All right. That's Marcus Spears, ESPN NFL analyst. You can catch him weekdays on NFL Live. Also, the Swagoo and Perk podcast. Coming up next, what should the asking price be for Jimmy G, and is he the best quarterback available that's remaining in the quarterback carousel? Amber and I will chime in on it. You're listening to ESPN Radio. Back after this. ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Chris Candy on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. And Amber, we got the latest mock draft from our very own Mel Kuyper, and he doesn't have a quarterback going until the 18th overall pick, and that would be Kenny Pickett to the New Orleans Saints. But that's not what caught my eye with Mel Kuyper's latest mock draft. And apparently him and Todd McShay are drinking the same Kool-Aid, because they're all in on Notre Dame safety Kyle Hamilton, so much so that in both of their most recent mock drafts, they have Kyle Hamilton going second overall to the Detroit Lions. Now, listen, I don't have to tell you this, but I I just don't understand why a team would invest that kind of draft capital on a position that doesn't seem like it's the most important when you start talking about the positions that impact your team winning the most. He's not a quarterback. He's not a pass rusher. He's not a left tackle. He's not a wide receiver. He's not a cornerback. Those are the top five positions in the NFL in terms of impact on winning. Why would you invest the second overall pick in a safety? Amber, make it make sense. Mel Kuyper has done this now in multiple mock drafts. And in part, I think it's to get Chris Canty riled up because there's few things in the world Chris Canty cares more about than the possibility of a safety going at number two in the NFL draft. It has happened before. Eric Turner, you'll remember, I'm sure, Chris Canty. How did that work out for the Cleveland Browns? Listen, you could argue he was a two-time Pro Bowler. Congratulations. I'm drafting you with the second overall pick to make two Pro Bowls? Uh, Sean Taylor, Probably. now not not two, but five. Can't argue with me that that one didn't work out. Still yeah, very that high was, draft capital there. Yeah, but we're saying Kyle Hamilton is going to be the next Sean Taylor. Listen, he better be if he goes second overall. He can play in the box, out of the slot as a cent- center fielder. I, I mean, he can apparently, according to Mel Kuyper, totally elevate a defense, and this is a defense in need of being elevated. Chris Canty. No doubt about it. And the Detroit Lions were one of the worst pass defenses in the entire NFL yet last year. So they definitely got to get some work done on that side of it. Now, getting Jeff Okuda back should help them on that front. But they definitely got a lot of work to do. I mean, they, they, they were 24th in passing defense last year, Amber, 26th in passing touchdowns allowed. So it's certainly an area of improvement. But Kyle Hamilton, if you're going to draft him that high, 
he's not going to only impact your passing game, but he's also going to impact your run defense. And so for a team that was 31st in points allowed last year, a do-all Swiss Army knife type of player could be a great piece to add. I just don't know if I'm adding that piece with the second overall pick. If we're talking about a safety, then I would consider trading back to later in the top 10 or maybe even out of the top 10 and taking Kyle Hamilton there. But that's just me. ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Chris Candy on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Hit us up at Amber W790 and at Chris Candy99 on Twitter. Also, tap in on the Candy call in line, 888 ESPN. That's 888 729 3776. And Amber, as our resident Lakers fan, anytime something positive happens for my team, I feel like we have to mention it within the first hour of the show. And that would be last night with a homecoming of sorts for LeBron James as he took on the Cleveland Cavaliers and he bounced them 131 to 120 off of the strength of a 38-point triple-double. Now, we do know that LeBron James passed Karl Malone a couple of nights ago for second on the all-time scoring list, but last night it was clear that he was trying to put on a show for the folks in Cleveland, so really impressed by his effort. But I was equally as unimpressed with LeBron's post-game commentary about where he is with the game of basketball. Take a listen. I can care less about what the narrative about our team is. I've been, at my point in my career, I don't get involved in that stuff. I don't read about it. I don't hear it too much. It's like, really, I I go home, drink wine or drink tequila every night. And if I'm at my house in L.A., I'm watching a movie with the kids or I'm playing Madden. I don't, it doesn't, none of that stuff matters to me. Um, I'm, I'm having a blast playing a game of basketball. You know, and like I told the other night, I said, yes, I get frustrated and, you know, angry from losses and things we could have done better and things of that nature. But, I mean, once I leave the arena and I get home, I, I'll leave it there. I kind of try to – leave it there and let's move on to the next thing. How can we get better? So, I'm literally having the time of my life right now. I'm glad he's having the time of his life, Amber, because let me tell you what I'm not having as a Lakers fan. The time of my life. This team is fighting, scratching, and clawing to hang on to the number nine seed in the playoff field. We're trying not to let the New Orleans Pelicans without Zion Williamson pass us in play-in tournament seeding. That's exactly where the Los Angeles Lakers are at right now. Now, I will give LeBron James credit. He always shows up to the arena with the energy, with the requisite focus that it takes to compete at a high level, and he tries to model that for his teammates. They don't always follow his lead, but he tries to. So I'll give LeBron James credit for that. But that's about where it stops. And the part that bothers me the most about what he said last night is because he's in a leadership position, your teammates are taking their cues from you. And it doesn't necessarily reflect the kind of urgency that as a Lakers fan, I would like my team to have as we're gearing up for the stretch run of the regular season. He definitely puts in the effort and the work. And he has to because otherwise his team would not be winning games if he didn't put up these superhuman performances night in and night out. And I just learned that apparently he does that drinking wine and tequila every night, which maybe that's what's (laughs) maybe that's what's been missing in my life. Maybe I should try that out. Uh, I'm glad LeBron is happy. I do not believe for one minute that he doesn't listen to the narrative surrounding his team and that he's not aware of it because you don't have to listen to it to know what the narrative is around your team when you're sitting 
sitting at ninth in the West and you're in a play-in scenario. He knows how that's going to land in Los Angeles and nationally. So he knows what the narrative is, even if he claims to tune it out. And it's very convenient that suddenly he doesn't care about it because LeBron has spent his entire career caring about the narrative. And suddenly he doesn't care about the narrative around the Los Angeles Lakers, arguably the team with the most narrative and most attention in the entire NBA. Preach, Amber Wilson, preach. I do want to mention, because off the top, you said that everything last night was positive for your Lakers. And I will say, I don't know if it's positive because LeBron murdered a man last night. R.I.P. Kevin Love. R.I.P. It wasn't right that he did that to his former teammate, a guy that he won a championship with, to to do Kevin Love the way that he did him, dunking on him like that. I mean, that's that's not good. I mean, we got to do a wellness check on Kevin Love. I know he's a big advocate for mental health. I mean, we got to check on Kevin Love's well-being right now because LeBron caught a body in the middle, middle of the paint, and they just keep showing it over and over again on E+. And it seems like it gets worse with every look. Amber, what I don't understand, if if you're Kevin Love and LeBron James is coming down the lane with a full head of steam, why are you going to step in and pretend to take a charge and then at the last minute try to move out of the way? That's worse than if you even do a drive-by and just give LeBron a clear path to the rim. To me, I would have more respect for Kevin Love if you just step aside and let LeBron James make the Sports Center top 10 highlight without you actually being on the highlight, but instead... You stood there, you acted like you wanted to take a charge, and then you leaned out of the way? I don't know. I can't go for that, Amber. It seems like a little bit of a weak move by Kevin Love. I vehemently disagree with you because one of the things I hate the most about today's NBA, and go ahead and get off my lawn, kids. I'm here for the three-point shooting. I'm here for all the offense. But the thing that I don't like about today's NBA is that all these dudes are so worried about being on Sports Center Top 10, right? Like, they're so worried about being posterized and it being all over social media and them going viral that they always get out of the way. And, yo, play defense. Stop being so scared about going viral and get out there, play defense, and do your job. And at least Kevin Love was a real one for a moment. And then He, he wasn't failed. a real one, though, Amber. <laughs> well, he, he thought about a being a real one. one. He, he thought did. about it Like, he for thought a moment. about standing in there and taking a charge and decided not to so he wasn't a real one so my thing is don't pretend to be something that you're not like either you're in or you're out you can't both sides this thing are you going to challenge LeBron are you going to actually try to jump are you going to take the charge that would be being a real one what Kevin Love did was I'm going to pretend to be a real one and then slide out of the way and let LeBron James go ahead and dunk that thing I have zero respect for what Kevin Love did last night. And I don't know how you could. It's a disappointment to hear you say that as my co-host. I'm genuinely hurt right now by the words that are coming out of your mouth. I Don't get me wrong. I wanted him to finish it. I didn't want him to get out of the way at the end. I wanted him to finish it. Either way, he was getting posterized. But I want more guys to get posterized. Let's stop being so scared of going viral. Oh, yeah, I don't have a problem with a guy challenging LeBron or anybody else at the rim. Like, if you're going to jump and you get dunked on, okay, respect to you. Like, these are the best basketball players in the world. I can understand that you might get punched on every now and again. But if you go in challenge and you do get dunked on, just know that you're going to be on the poster and on the highlight. Like, that's the give and take with all of those situations. But we'll have more LeBron James later on in the show. Coming up next, Jimmy G.